Well, thank you, Bob, and it's great to be back with you here at Discovery. Uh, today is a great day, isn't it? Today is a wonderful day. And uh, I was going to say it's kind of a wildy day, but uh, that would be maybe going beyond what I should say. And, uh, I would uh, echo what Bob said. Thank you for leading us in worship. Uh, that, was, that was great. And uh, we are thankful for uh, the opportunity to uh, worship today here and uh, to be able to uh, have uh, assistance and help from our, our uh, sister church, Missoula Alliance Church. So wonderful to be able to be here today. I'm glad to have my wife, Lori, with me. And uh, my name is Jonathan, and uh, we have the privilege of serving as the district superintendent here in the Rocky Mountain District. And um, our district covers all of Montana and Wyoming and the mountain time zone of Idaho and the western halves of North and South Dakota. So if you kind of think of like from Minot all the way to far western Boise and Nampa or up from Fortine to Cheyenne or Rapid City, that's kind of our, our district. So our office is over in Billings and, you know, it's like the banana belt because it was only like 12 below there today, you know. And uh, so uh, it, was, it was nice and warm in Billings. And uh, so it's been an amazing weekend, hasn't it? Uh, I saw yesterday that it was 54 below in Chester, actual air temperature. I'm like, sure glad I'm in Missoula. <laughs> you know, we used to live in uh, central Minnesota and uh, pastored a church there. And uh, literally one, one weekend, it was 60 below. 60 below actual air temperature. They had these weather guys and ladies, they would say, now you don't do this at home. You know how they always tell you, don't do this at home. So what do you think of immediately? Let's do it, right? So, so we had three little kids, and uh, it was like, open the door, and you throw this pan of hot water out, and it just, it just evaporates. It didn't turn to ice or anything. It just evaporated. And, of course, then, being the frugal man that I was like, shut the door, you know. <laughs> it took an hour to warm the house up again, you know. So, <clears throat> so we are happy to be here. And uh, I want you to know that... Um, as you've been navigating things over the last few months, we've been kind of working behind the scenes with the leadership team. But also, you have had a district of 56 other churches praying for you and asking that God would, would have his way here and be with you as, uh, as you have been ministering and, and seeking the next steps. And as we have been seeking the next steps together as well. And, uh, you know, I always, I always like to tell the story... Um, and some of you have heard this before, but, you know, we're a part of the Christian Missionary Alliance, and we really have a great family of churches. There's, there's about 1,950 churches that we have across the U.S., and uh, there's 25 different districts, and, uh, you know, there's about 400,000 people that go to an Alliance church this weekend. But in that, 38% of our churches are not white. 38% of our churches are what we would call either multicultural, but mostly intercultural. Because the Christian Missionary Alliance has been around for 135 years. And we've had an amazing uh, ministry to people worldwide. And as the world has come here, we've been ready to, to meet them. You mentioned, some mentioned about Missoula Alliance, and, and some of you are aware of the ministry to the Congolese people that are here in Missoula. And... And we have uh, the gospel this weekend being preached in 38 different languages in Christian and Missionary Alliance churches here in the U.S. And so 
that's a little bit of the family that you're a part of. And overseas, we have, you know, like six, uh, we have 23,000 churches and 6 million people that attend. And there are six nations where the presence of the Alliance is much larger than even here in the U.S. And because we're either taping or live streaming, I can't tell you those names, but, but uh, countries that the presence of the Alliance is much greater. Because our international workers, which you give to through the Great Commission Fund, our international workers went to those countries and learned the customs and the culture and the language and have planted indigenous churches that have raised up leaders, raised up uh, educators, raised up uh, people who can help in medical missions and, and use that to reach people for Christ. Our workers didn't go plant little white American picket fence churches. And so now as the world has come to us, we're ready to meet them here. But we're also continuing to reach them overseas. And I think that's important because, you know, I really like the, the idea of the church being a family. You know, I used to work in hospitals and nursing homes. Anybody ever been in a hospital? Like audience participation time, right? right. If What's the one thing you want to do in the hospital? Get out, exactly, right? Like, I worked in hospitals and nursing homes, and there wasn't a one person who, in the hospital setting at least, was like, I think I could just camp out here for like three or four years. Like, this is really great, you know? And, and we want to take care of people, so don't misunderstand that. But I love the idea of the church as a family. Because family is, is a, a long-term thing, isn't it? And family can get messy sometimes, right? Family can get challenging sometimes. And there's different layers and levels of family, right? Like what I tell my wife, Lori, or what we talk about. We have three children. We don't tell them everything that we talk about, right? We have cousins that we're close to. We don't tell them everything. So, you know, there's layers of communication. But I like that motif of a family and and I just wanted you to know that you are part of the family of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And um, there are people around the world literally praying for you right now. Think about that. Oftentimes we're like, well, we pray, what? For them. But guess what? Them's praying for us. Pardon my English. All right? They're praying for us. And they're praying for you. That you would continue to be salt and light here in Missoula and the surrounding area, praying that the work of God in your hearts would continue and that you would live for him and serve him out of the overflow of his continued work in your life and that you would not shrink back here. And I'm so happy when I say that. I don't have to say, don't shrink back because you're already moving ahead. You're not wanting to shrink back. If you wanted to shrink back, we wouldn't be here, would we? We wouldn't be here. So I'm thankful I can say that, but I want you to know there are people literally around the world praying for us that God would have his way. So this morning we come to this installation service, and that's a little bit different than most. <laughs> yes, we're going to hear from God's word, but our focus today is really to... Rejoice and to celebrate God's bringing of, of Pastor Dan and his family, right? We're so thankful for Pastor Dan and for Taylor. And we're so thankful for them 
and for Grayson and Emmett and Willow, and for them coming. And, uh, you know, sometimes, um, I don't know how it is for you. I don't know if there are seasons when you kind of get, uh, you know, some would say sappy, but others would say reminiscing, you know. And uh, I remember when Lori and I were 32 with three little kids and starting in a new ministry. And so it's been kind of fun to think back when that happened to us. And I remember just thinking, we had a gentleman in our church who was really old at the time, about four years older than I am right now. <laughs> so he was way old, you know, when you're 32. <laughs> and I remember him talking to us, and, and we were talking about some different things. And he said this statement to me. He said, and he had been a pastor. And he said, you know, Jonathan, one thing we don't do enough of in the church is celebrate. I must admit, it was a little weird coming from him because I didn't see him as kind of the more celebratory kind. <laughs> he was usually, hey, you know, you should really be doing this. Or, you know, pastor, I would really encourage you to do this. You know, when I was a pastor, I did this. And, you know, so he was always kind of on that side of things. But he came to me one time and said, you know, we just don't celebrate enough. And that's always stuck with me because we kind of, we kind of run from one thing to the next, don't we, even in our culture. I mean, we have a great day, and then it's, well, the next day we got to do this and this and this and this. But sometimes it's good just to slow down a little bit and to celebrate. And so this is one of those days where we have the opportunity to thank the Lord, to celebrate, to rejoice, and then we can go on. So this morning, um, I really want to share with you a few things as a congregation, and then I want to share a few things with you, Pastor Dan, and Taylor, as you come into this ministry here. First thing I want to say is I want to say thank you to each of you and all the myriad of things you've been doing and engaging in. Sometimes things out of your comfort zone. Sometimes things where you're like, oh, I didn't think I'd be doing that. Or I didn't think I'd be doing that again, right? And so I wanted to say thank you to you. I want to say thank you to your leadership team too. It's been a delight and a joy uh, in this season to work with them. And uh, as Bob said, as the vice chair, we kind of go back and forth and talk about things and navigating things and with the governing board and all of that. Um, so thank you for your leadership. Thank you to the board for their leadership. And uh, it's been an encouraging time to see what God is doing. And I, I want you to know that... Um, and the things I want to say to you as a, as a congregation, uh, they're all very, very important. And there's just three of them for time's sake. Uh, we could say a lot more. And uh, I hope that you receive these as encouragements. Because again, I don't say these like I intentionally asked John and others if I could bring this thing down here. Because rather than stand up here and be like, hey, now listen, right? These are things where it's like, Let's just be reminded of this, okay? In Peter's writings, he says, I write these things to remind you. When you read his epistles. And I don't know about you, but I need reminders. Do you? <laughs> How many of you ever have used, um, you know, the post-it notepads, right? And now, now we have these things, and we have notes that we can write on our phone, right? And what color are they? Like the same color as post-it notes, okay? <laughs> so I need, I need reminders. And it's important for us to be reminded. And so what I want to share with you, again, is not like command and dictative, 
but rather it is just a reminder of things we need to be engaged in. The first thing that I want to remind you as a family today is what the writer of the New Testament book of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 18. He said this, he said, pray for us. Pray for us. Think about that, friends. I encourage you to pray for Pastor Dan and Taylor and their family. Pray for them. Pray for their marriage relationship. You know, I would tell you that, um, you know, you can, you can have a lot of different roles and responsibilities. And there are joys and highs and lows in virtually anything one does, right? I mean, you could be engaged in fill-in-the-blank kind of work, and there could be times where you're just like, man, it doesn't get any better than this, right? And then there's other things where you're like, ooh, I think I should look for something different, right? Because this is like really bad, okay? Well, I want to tell you, friends, I think, I think there are some incredible highs that happen in ministry. If you've ever seen anybody cross the line of faith and receive Jesus, there is no greater joy than that, friends, really. There really isn't. Because you have just been there when they've crossed from death to life, from darkness to light. When you realize that for all eternity, they are now going to be with Jesus. There is a great joy in that. And if you haven't had that experience, I encourage you to pray for that. To pray for Pastor Dan and Taylor as they enter into life and ministry here. Because there are some incredible highs. But there are also some incredible lows in ministry. There are some incredible lows. I... As I said, I was kind of reminiscing uh, the last little while. And uh, I was thinking back, even this week, I was talking with a, with a family, and uh, we were discussing some things. And I can remember working with some families, uh, counseling. And I, I'm not a trained counselor, but as a pastor, you know, you kind of you have to be able to do some things, right? And so I always had a stable of people I could refer people on to. But I remember this one couple, they, they had like, like, they had a ton of problems. I mean, they had a lot of stuff to work through. And we worked through a lot of it. And I can remember about two or three sessions in thinking, I don't think they're going to make it. That just broke my heart. But I was so thankful. I was so wrong. They were willing to work at it and navigate it and deal with it. And they made it. And then there were other couples where literally after the first session, I'd be like, really? Like, this is it? This is what's the problem? And they would just they blow up. And the shrapnel of that stuff was amazing. I mean, it was horrible. And so, friends, I encourage you to pray for Pastor Dan and Taylor because they're going to be engaged in things where they're going to have great highs. And it's going to be exciting. But they're going to have some stuff that they face as well where it's absolutely horrible and terrible. And, you know, we don't want all that stuff broadcast, do we? You know, like, like if I was having trouble and, and I was going to your pastor for counseling, I wouldn't want him to probably stand up and say, well, let's pray for Jonathan because he's really blown it and he's right? If that were you, you wouldn't want that, right? And so there are burdens 
that your pastor's going to bear, that maybe even the elders aren't going to hear about, because you don't want that shared, right? I've, I've had conversations with people, and, you know, they tell me things, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not ever going to say that. I'm not going to share that, because it's deeply personal. It would be gut-wrenching. And so I encourage you, pray for Pastor Dan and Taylor. Pray for their relationship as husband and wife. Pray for their family, for their children, for their kids. You know, if you have children, they can be a source of incredible joy, can't they? Again, wonderful joy. But if you have kids, you also know sometimes they can be the source of great sorrow and pain. And pray for those precious little ones, right? Isn't it fun? I know poor, poor Taylor's having a you know, bounce willow. But isn't it great to hear life? You know, we, we pastored a church one time. We had this gal come, and, and her husband didn't come that Sunday. She did with three little kids. And they were little wild ones, not wildy ones, but they were wild ones, all right? And, and they made noise, and it didn't distract me because they weren't mine, right? Okay? And, and poor Lori, you know, she'd be like, don't give me the look, you know, when the kids, you know, rise up, right? But she came to the door and she's like, oh, Pastor Jonathan, I'm so sorry. My kids are... I said, it's okay, Holly. And one of our elders came up and he knew her and he said, I'll never forget this. He said, Holly, it's okay. It's sign of life. I remember when this was a mausoleum and you could just see the blood return to her face. She was so thankful because he was like, it's okay. It's okay. There's life. There's vitality here. So pray for Pastor Dan and Taylor with their kids. Pray that, that their kids would continue to bring them great joy. And if Jesus holds back his second coming, that as they grow and, and live here in Missoula and as they continue to, to, you know, the years would go by, that they would make great choices that would delight their parents. Now, if you're sitting here going, okay, move on, Jonathan. You kind of beat this one to death. Think about this. This is not just for the board to do. This is for you. This is for you. If you say, well, yeah, you know, the board, they ought to be praying for the pastor. Well, guess what? So also ought you. You need to start praying for your pastor and family. Pray for them. Pray for Dan as your shepherd leader. Pray that God's word would continue to come alive to him in fresh ways. Pray that God would give him wisdom and direction as he leads the ministry here with the leadership team and with you as the years would unfold if God would allow. Pray that you might come prepared to meet him. By that, I mean the Lord. You know, again, I was thinking back when I was a little kid, some of you guys that are in high school or out of high school. When I was a little kid, man, Saturday night was not like stay out till 2 in the morning and come to church like, finally can sit down and be quiet and not have to do anything, right? Saturday night for adults and for kids, it was kind of like a night to prepare yourself for what God would bring or do the next day. It was a time to kind of slow down and slow my mind down and be like, all right, God, what do you have for me tomorrow? Isn't it interesting when you go somewhere with expectation, how oftentimes those expectations get met? And how sometimes 
we have so reduced church to just like, well, go ahead and try to hit me today. <laughs> you know, let's see if anything really, you know, comes. But friend, I would encourage you to pray for yourselves as you come to church because your pastor can pray and prepare and preach his heart out. But we know communication is a two-way street, isn't it? He can give everything he has. But if we don't have the right framework or makeup that morning to receive from God, we're not going to receive it. Remember I told you about working in hospitals and nursing homes. When I worked in the nursing home, I never saw anybody get rolled up to the table who couldn't feed themselves anymore, who looked at me with eyes of happiness. Like, this is great. I finally arrived to where I can't feed myself. There were, it was sorrowful. It was almost like there was a shell where it was like, I can't believe this. I can't even feed myself anymore. And you know, oftentimes in church world, I hear people say, well, you know, I'm just not getting fed anymore, so we're out of here. And I think, let's apply that to another place in life. If you couldn't feed yourself, literally, what would you do? Would you be like, this is great. I've, I've, I've grown. I'm maturing. No, you'd be like, what? This is horrible. I can't believe this has happened. So friends, when it comes to your spiritual walk, the church has a place. Pastor Dan and the leadership here have a responsibility. But friends, so too do we. So do we come prepared? Maybe we just throw up a 911 prayer on Sunday morning and say, Lord, it's been a crazy week, man. You know things have gone bad. Things are horrible. But I'm going to church. Please meet me. All right. That's better than coming to church and being like, go ahead and try. See if I get anything out of this. <laughs> we might have opportunity to prepare ourselves well or maybe not very well. But ask God to have you in a place where you can hear from Him. So pray for them. Secondly, I would encourage you to provide for them. Now, this is a great one because you're already doing that. As a church and as a leadership team, this church has always been very gracious, very um, you know, generous. And so I don't have to beat the drum like, hey man, people, you gotta like prepare, you know, and and help your pastor and provide for him. You know, financially, you gotta do better. No, you're doing great. You have done incredible. And the scripture tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 5 that the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. So you're already doing that. But let me say to you that providing for your pastor involves more than finances. It also involves attitude, right? It involves attitude. How many people here grew up not knowing they were poor? Anybody? <laughs> like, I can remember when I was a kid, you know, we didn't know we were poor until we went to school, right? And then in my day, it was like, kids had Chuck Taylors and I had Keds, you know, and they looked the same, but they were the cheapy knockoffs, right? And we didn't know we were poor. Well, I want to tell you that provision is also about an attitude, right? Provision 
is about an attitude. And the first attitude I would encourage you to have is to believe the best about your pastor. Believe the best about your pastor. Now, I know this would never happen here. No one would ever come to someone else and say, <clears throat> you know, I just have this thing I need to get off my chest about Pastor Dan. And I need you to listen and tell me what to do. Really? It usually isn't that last part, tell me what to do. It's just usually I want to tell you something, right? And so if anybody ever comes to you like that, you know what you should do? You should give Pastor Dan the best eight words you can give him. You know what those are? You should talk to Pastor Dan about this. <laughs> and as they look at you, <laughs> don't listen to it. Encourage them to go talk to Pastor Dan. And then maybe if it continues, you give them the next best four words and you say, I'll go with you. Okay? So believe the best about Pastor Dan first. All right? Believe the best about him. Now again, I want to commend you for your desire to provide. And you do very well in that. But as time goes along, things will happen. There may be things that we don't understand. There may be things that we're like, what's this all about? Or da-da-da-da-da. Talk to Pastor Dan about it. Talk to Pastor Dan. All right. Last thing I want to tell you is this. And when I say last thing, now remember, this is last thing to you. Right? You remember the old joke like when a pastor says, and finally, that means like 20 more minutes, right? You know, remember that? Okay. All right. So lastly to you, all right, third thing I just want to say to you is this, is that I would encourage you to give your pastor freedom. Give your pastor and tailor freedom, right? Freedom. One way that you can do this is to kind of come alongside him and to compliment his strengths. Now, I don't mean like, hey, you really did that really well. What I mean is you could do that. But what I mean is like come alongside that and encourage him. Come alongside that and, and give him uh, more in that area, right? And you can also come alongside him in his non-strengths and be able to shore up things and to help him. Not like, man, you really don't do that very well. Let me do it, right? But, but to come alongside and to be like, you know what? I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to step into that. I'm willing to engage here. Now, you know, I, I believe that your pastor is going to exercise servant leadership here at Discovery. And I would encourage you to exercise servant followership. Because, you know, Pastor Dan has to give an account for the ministry here. And you have to give an account for your willingness to follow. Think about that. We don't oftentimes think about that. But yet that's what God would want for us. Because all of us at some point are under authority. Okay? In this role as superintendent, sometimes people are like, oh, it must be kind of fun because you can do whatever you want. <coughs> okay, let's just cut to that right right. We have a friend here, Pastor Tim and, and Pam Buckheit. Tim served on our district executive committee at one time. Right? I have a district executive committee that's over me. I have a vice president over me. I have a president over me. Then there's the board of directors over me. Right? So we are all under authority. Our pastors are under the authority of the district, yes. But they're also under the authority of the leadership team here at the church. And all of us are under authority. 
And so it's important. I have to exercise followership at times, and you do too. And so it's important for us to, to be reminded of that. So give your pastor freedom to lead. He's going to be asking questions like, Lord, what do you have for us to engage in at Discovery in the days ahead? What are those things that you want for us to be about? What do you want us to say no to? You know, sometimes it's easy just to say yes, 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 isn't it? But in doing so, we might say yes to something good, but isn't God's best for us at that point in time? And so he's going to be asking, Lord, where do you want us to go? How can we best reach the harvest field that is right here? Give him freedom to lead. I can't go into it because we're taping it and I don't want to divulge anything. But it's been interesting the last few times in Missoula, I have run into the same gentleman every time. And last night, I spent 45 minutes with him talking about the Lord. And just, just kind of talking about things. And it was invigorating. It was great. He knew of Discovery Church. And I was like, Lord, you know, whatever you want is what I want for him. And I'm so thankful for him. And it was an encouraging time. But you know, um, there's a harvest field here, right in your backyard, isn't there? How are we going to reach that? Lord, what do you want us to do? Your pastor is going to grapple with those questions much more than you, respectfully. Because you've got other cares, other concerns, right? He's here. He, this is his role. This is what he's been called to do and encouraged to do. And you're providing it. For him to be able to do it and to lead you into reaching the harvest field. So give him freedom to lead. And then I would encourage you to, to allow Pastor Dan and Taylor to make friends. <laughs> to make friends. It sounds so simple. But you know, it's interesting. Like Jesus, he had what? He had the 12 disciples. And sometimes it's hard for us to remember all 12 of them, right? But we do remember Peter, James, and John, don't we? And then there was John the Beloved. So even Jesus had friends, and then he had close friends, and then he had the closest friends. And you know, sometimes we want to be those closest friends, and maybe we will. But if we're not, let's allow our pastor and his wife to have friends at all those different levels, okay? Let's allow them to have friends at different levels. And maybe one of the things you can do is help guard your friendship. With Pastor Dan and Taylor. Maybe you can assist them in warning them of things or helping them to see things or encouraging them if you see them down. Or if there's a personal need, you can maybe step in and help. Those are things that we can do. So give them freedom to lead, freedom to have their own friends. And then I would say this, and this is kind of weird for me to say it, but give them freedom to relax, okay? I'm kind of a workaholic, I'll just be honest. I love what I get to do. I love who I get to do it with. I love serving our churches, our pastors, our people. That There's really no greater thing for me to be able to do. And I, I love to just keep on going. But I know that not everybody's wired that way. And this is a really good tool, but it can be a really lousy tether. You know, um, a while back, Lori and I were going to go do something and I said to her proactively, I said, I'm going to shut my phone off. And then after I picked Lori off the floor, 
She looked at me and said, are you serious? And I'm like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> it was like, a, like a little kid is like, I'm going to brush my teeth today. You know, like, I mean, like, I'm going to shut it off, you know. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's not anything anybody puts on me. I do that to myself. But at times, we can inadvertently kind of put that on somebody, right? Depending on the work that you do, you know what that's like, right? Like at 4.30 on Friday afternoon, the boss comes up and says, hey, I need this by 8 o'clock Monday morning. You look at the clock and you're like, what? Why didn't you tell me at noon or at 8 o'clock this morning? And you just kind of get dumped on, right? Well, when that happens once in a while, that's fine. But if it's all the time, it gets old, doesn't it, right? And we all have deadlines and commitments and all of that, and, and we understand that. But, you know, sometimes we can create an environment where, where like, the pastor is everybody's need meter, okay? And we can't do that. I mean, nobody can function that way. So give them freedom to relax. Maybe it means getting out of town. Maybe it means going to see family. But you know, it's interesting. Hebrews 13, 17 says this. And this was written to church people, right? So it was written to me, written to you. It says this. <clears throat> we hate these first few words in America in 2024. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Okay? We don't like that, right? We don't want anybody telling us what to do. We don't like, you know, we don't like, we don't like, we don't like. But here's the point why we do it, right? I love the Word of God because God gives us the why. He doesn't just say, do this. He gives us the why. Think about this now. Obey your leaders, submit to their authority. Why? Because they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Remember we talked about servant leadership? And servant followership? Here's that part of followership. Because Pastor Dan is going to have to give an account for his leadership as your pastor here. Okay? Now sometimes we want to make him give an account to us. But he's going to have to give an account to God, not just us. Right? So it says here, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, what does this not mean? This does not mean you can't say anything. This does not mean you can't say, well, I was thinking about that. What about this? Or have we considered that? Or, or you know, But we, we don't say it in a way that's like demeaning or in a way that's like accusatorial. Does that make sense? We can, we can engage, but it... But there is a sense in which Pastor Dan's going to have to give an account for his leadership. And you're going to have to give an account for your followership. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no advantage to you. If you are an employer, which is easier to have? Happy employees or unhappy employees? It's always easier to have happy employees, isn't it? Sometimes that means you've got to be creative. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's difficult, right? But happy employees are great. And happy people are great if you have to lead them. So provide for them. Give them freedom. Pray for them. Now, the cool thing is, that's, I'm not telling you stuff you don't already know. These are things where it's like, we're doing it. And I thank you that you are doing it. 
And I pray that that will continue so that as time unfolds, until either Jesus comes back or He calls us home, we can see His work moving forward in us and through us. Okay, well, now we're going to turn... We're going to turn it to you, brother. And uh, I might look a little bit more at you here now than I was. But this is for all of us, just like what we just looked at is for you guys, too. So for you, brother, I was thinking about um, a couple of things, you know, that would be easy to look at. Like, like you know, we could, uh, we could look at 1 Timothy 4 and we could say, preach the word, and we'll, we'll come to that someday. But you already know that. Preach the word, right? Don't preach other. There's 66 books here you can preach out of, right? So do that first, okay? Preach the word. We understand that. But it was interesting in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says this that, that um, Paul was giving a, a strong defense of the resurrection. And, and he, was, he was passionate in his defense of it. And we know that, you know, absent the resurrection, you know, our faith is almost in vain, isn't it? Because there's a lot of other world leaders that died for their cause. But Jesus alone has been raised from the dead. Jesus alone was the perfect sacrifice. Jesus alone was sinless and able to die on the cross and able to be raised again and able to take the sin of the world. My sin, your sin, our sin, the whole sin of the world ever to that point, prior to that point, and since that point. He alone was able. Paul was passionate about all of that. And he reiterated what he knew to be true and what he believed to be true. And then he wrote this in verse 58 of 1 Corinthians 15. He says this, Therefore, right? So obviously when you see therefore in the Bible, you always kind of have to look behind. The behind part was he was defending the resurrection. He said this, Stand firm. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You know, sometimes, it doesn't matter if we're in ministry or in the marketplace, we might be prone to say, does it really even matter what I'm doing? Does it really even matter? Not like, well, does anybody know this? Not like that. But like, does it, what I'm doing really matter? Is there any value, right? And here, Paul says, he uses these words that sometimes <clears throat> we don't always like, right? He says, let nothing move you. He doesn't say, let most things not move you, okay? He's like, let nothing move you, right? And then he says, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Not sometimes, most times, the majority of times, 90% of the time. But he says, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Why? Again, we get the why. Because we know that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. See, the Lord is the one who decides whether something is in vain or not, right? It's not other people. It's not even ourselves. It's the Lord who decides if something is in vain. And Paul says here, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. And you know, I think that's important for us to remember. Because sometimes there can be this thought, you know, 
I remember um, one time I, I hired a guy who'd been a first grade elementary teacher. I don't know if we have any teachers here, but he was, he was first grade elementary teacher. He'd gone to Crown College, so he had all the degree, and he had all the Bible training, and he had everything he needed, and we brought him on. And one of our elders was a great guy. He was a barber, and he was a nice guy, pretty young. He might have been one of those guys where it was like, don't put somebody young in the Lord on the board, okay? Maybe been like that. He looks at Paul, and he goes, man, Paul, you sure know how to pick them. And we looked at him and go, what do you mean? He goes, well, you go from being a teacher working nine months a year to being a pastor work one hour a week. And he's just joking about it, but he was kind of like, you know, just poking the bear. And I looked at him and I said his name. I won't say his name. I looked at him. I said, well, it tells me two things, man. He goes, what's that? I go, one, you don't know anything about teaching. And you don't know anything about ministry. He was one of our elders, you know. And I was like, whoa, you know. I inherited him. And uh, I thought to myself, you know what? There are going to be times when people don't understand. But give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord the Lord is calling you to. And sometimes we can shrink back. Sometimes we might, oh, I don't know if I can do this or not. But I strongly encourage you, don't shrink back, right? Don't shrink back. Well, recently I had someone ask me, uh, what are some skills that pastors need? And, we, you know, we don't have enough time left in the day to talk about that. But we have a few things that I think we could say. And I wanted to maybe just give you four, right? So these are in no particular order. It isn't like do this, do this, do this, and then do this. But I think these are some things that, that as a people, as a church family, we would, we would want to see in our pastor. And I think from the scriptures, they come out as well. So um, these assume, obviously, a passion for the Lord, a passion for what God wants, a passion for Christ, the community, for the church, all of those things, okay? So that's kind of like a foundation. But on top of that, I think there are some things that God wants for us as pastors and what our people have a right to expect. Right? So one is in the area of preaching. Right? So that's 2 Timothy 4 passage, preach the word. Right? So you're going to have to spend time studying. You're going to have to spend time praying. You're going to have to spend time engaging the Holy Spirit, discerning from the Holy Spirit uh, what the Lord would want for you to be bringing to your people. Right? Uh, from Ephesians chapter 4, we can see that you know, through your preaching, through your leading, together with the leaders here and with the people here, there will be growth. There could be growth in knowledge, but may there be growth in engagement with God. Isn't that what we want? I mean, you think about it. How many of us just want to get like bloated fat heads of knowledge? Do you know people like that in other venues? Where everything you talk about, they're like, oh yeah, you know, I was reading the other day. I know about it. Remember that one ad that was on just a while back? I had I don't see a lot of TV. But there was like the podcast guy. Did anybody ever see that ad? Where it was like, Joe has a podcast for everything. You know, it was like something about dogs. Oh, did you know there's a podcast about this? And, oh, there's a podcast about that. He knew everything about everything. All right. Well, <clears throat> when we preach the word, yes, it is to grip the heart, but it is to move us to engagement with the Lord. It isn't to move us like, oh, well, I know a lot more than I did yesterday. Well, what, how does that help us engage? 
with the Lord. So preaching, we would say, is a skill set. So continue to work on that, right? I have to work on that. And, and respectfully, all of our pastors have to work on that. If we're doing the same thing we did 25 years ago, well, we're not living in 1999, are we? And that would be terrible if we're doing the same thing. So preach the word, right? A second thing is the whole area of leadership. Lead well. Lead yourself, right? Proverbs 4.23 says this, Solomon, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Lead yourself well. Lead others well. Lead your leaders well. Lead your people to maturity. Lead yourself to greater maturity. Lead when it's hard. Lead when it's easy. Lead your family well. Just don't shrink back, brother. Sometimes it can be very challenging. Sometimes Satan will tempt you. Sometimes you might be just like, I don't want to pay the price. But lead yourself well. Lead your people well. Lead your church well. And a third area I would encourage you is the area of relationships. Learn your people. Learn, I mean, it's kind of cool. We know you've lived here before. So it's kind of, you know, it hasn't been that long ago that you lived in Missoula. But even as we talked the other day, it's like, yeah, but you know, there have been some changes, right? There's things that have changed. So learn your community well. Learn about the lost people here in Missoula. Learn from your leaders. Learn from your people. Learn from your own eyes of observation. Man, I encourage you, Brother Dan, pray that God would give you eyes to see Missoula in 2024. Because sometimes we can think about Missoula, how it used to be, or what it was, or what we think it is. But we need God's eyes to see today what Missoula is now. Ask God to help you in your relationships. But above that, continue to grow in your relationship with Him. Sometimes we can move into greater ministry roles and we can get so busy about the things of God that we kind of inhibit the work of God in our own lives. You know, we can get so busy about the things of God that we forget about the work of God in us and through us. So guard against that. Guard against that. And I would just pray for you, brother, that, that he himself, Christ himself, would be the touch tone for you. And again, I'm not saying that you need to do this because you're not. I'm just saying, may that continue. As things ramp up, as things get busier, continue to keep Christ as the touchstone of your life. And the last thing I would just say, and I get in trouble sometimes for saying this, is remember, remember that it takes a monster work ethic to serve the Lord today. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying sacrifice your family. I'm not saying, you know, don't see Taylor and your kids all week. I'm not saying that. But when you're working, work hard. Work as unto the Lord. Work wise. Don't, don't find yourself daydreaming and thinking about peripheral things. Work hard. Work wise. Work well. Because we know that the cause is great. And people's eternities are in the balance. And we don't save people. 
But we know that we can create a place where people can find Christ or not. We can go through the routine or not. And I would encourage you, work hard, work well. Keep focused on things. And don't let a bunch of sideways sucking energy take you away. Please work wise, work smart, work well. Delegate wisely where you can, all right? Guard your work hours so that when you're working, you're working, right? Again, some of you who have employees, if you have employees that when they come and they show up and they work hard and they work well and they work till the end and then they go home, you're like, I wish everybody could be like that, right? If you have other employees who kind of show up and like, you should be happy that I work for you, man, right? There's kind of like a, you know, if I could, I'd replace you in a heartbeat, you know, right? And so work wise, work strong, work well, work hard. And don't just shrink back in that area. Okay, well, we've looked at some things for you as a congregation, friends, and we've looked at some things for you, Pastor Dan. And I would tell you that it is my prayer that together as you work together in these days, in 2024 and beyond. That God's kingdom would advance in a beautiful way here at Discovery. And that as you think about today, there's, there's great hope, there's great encouragement, there's great celebration, great joy. May that continue in the days, in the weeks, in the months, in the years ahead if Christ holds back his second coming. So that together we might see people saved. We might see lives transformed, families brought back together, and Missoula changed. Not only because of discovery, but because of all the other Bible teaching and preaching churches here in this town, in this area, in this region. Amen? Amen.